true song. All we got to do is follow. That's our problem. We don't like to follow, do we? We like to lead. How many of y'all like to lead? Appreciate the one. Look here. Let's try something tonight. Y'all want a short service or a long one? Short? Well, y'all better get with me, all right? Stay with me here. At least you're being honest now, all right? Short. Um, Let me say this quickly now. I will second the motion of Brother Don. You need to be in Sunday school. Now, I'm going to say this. The Sunday school class I'm a part of downstairs, we had 21 in there Sunday morning. We had a great crowd. And so, uh, and again, that's, now I'm not saying I'm young, but there's a whole lot more younger folks in there than, with me, than me and my wife. But I'll tell you what, my wife looks young, amen? And um, she looks not a day over 21. And uh, anyway, and so downstairs, that's where you dig. You, you done dig down, you get, you get up, all right? And uh, so anyway, um, Sunday school, be here for it, all right? We got a class in the auditorium. We got a class for all the younger couples and uh, even, you know, single adults. We've got a class downstairs. We call it the Blue Room, but uh, it's not blue anymore, but uh, someone will help you find it. And so uh, we had a good group in there on Sunday, and I'm thankful to be a part of it. Brother Nate and I, we, we take a turnabout. I'll teach a week. He'll teach a week. And then up here, we've got some great men teaching every week. And uh, we've got, oh, my, I couldn't even imagine how much years of experience we have here teaching in this class every week and so uh, we have four or five different men that rotate that and I know you'll be encouraged by that so let's be inviting folks out to Sunday school as well and let's really get them out uh, to church uh, this week all right would you open your precious Bible tonight to the book of 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 I want to build this message around verse 9 around verse 9 But, man, all of it's good, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And, of course, we know the human penman was the Apostle Paul. But we know, ultimately, God is the author of this book. And uh, it's it's a God-breathed book. That word means it's inspired of God, means God breathed it. It originated with God, not man. But yet, it was recorded by man, and I'm thankful for that. But uh, we thank God for his word. And I truly believe tonight that it is inerrant, infallible, without mistake. Uh, I believe that it is God's word to us. And I believe if God is uh, capable, as Brother Cobby prayed tonight, Lord, not only do you save us, he keeps us saved. And everything we see, he created with words by his mighty word of saying, let it be so. I want to tell you right now, he can keep his word. And he's kept it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heaven. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. Now he's talking about our physical house. This physical house. And man, let me just say, All of you can relate to this. You know, we have two grandchildren in our home for now, and they're there every day. And uh, to play with them, man, they've got so much energy, and they can bend, and they can jump off of stuff. And, man, I was trying to uh, get a hook on some line today, and I was like, man, my eyes, I can't even see to get the thing in there to pull it to tie the hook. And I thought, man, I'd never get that. But that's what he's talking about. Our old bodies groan. Our earthly tabernacle, our earthly 
tabernacle, it's going to be dissolved. By the way, we're decaying every day. Look at verse 2. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. Verse 3. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. So we're mortal. This old body's mortal. Your body is mortal. It's temporary. That's what he's talking about here. Look at verse 5. Now he that hath wrought is the, for the self same thing as God, who also hath given to us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now he's saying, all right, we're groaning down here on this earth. We have an old fleshly body. We groan. It's burdened with care. It's burdened with medical problems. It's burdened with age. And so it says, what are we doing? We want to be clothed in that which is immortal, which is in heaven, because we know that while we're down here, we got to walk by faith. Not by sight. Look at verse 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now here's what he says. He said, man, I'd love to be up out of this body. I know that I'm out of this body. I know I'm going to be immediately present with the Lord. Wherefore, look verse 9. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Look at verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the thing done in his body according to that that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. And so uh, we understand, I'll tell you what, let's just pray And uh, let's pray and ask God's blessing. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll take your word. Bless it now. Use it in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is a powerful pastor scripture. Every time I read it, I think of my grandfather, my mother, the day she found him, peacefully asleep in Jesus. He was listening to his favorite radio show, and he died. And the moment he died, we know because he was saved, he was absent from the body, present with the Lord, my mother walked back up her in his room later and opened up his top drawer in his Chester drawers and the very first thing that popped out was in his handwriting was 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 8 for we are confident I say and willing rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You talking about giving somebody confidence. That's someone speaking yet being dead yet speaketh. Amen. But I'm thankful that we know that this promise is true, that we know that if we are in Jesus Christ, when we die, we are absent from this body, we lay this mortal body down, and we are immediately ushered into the presence of God. The Bible says in Psalm 23 that we know that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, why? For thou art with me. Do you know when we pass from death to life, the Lord never leaves us? Someone might say, well, I'm scared to death to die. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. There is mystery to death because it's not like we can go and ask someone, hey, what's it like to die? But God's already told us what it's like. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so here's what it is. We're saying, bye-bye, all in one breath. 
By how? We're saying by here within that same second we're looking at the very face of Jesus and we're in the company of all of our loved ones that have gone on before. That is the confidence that we have in Jesus Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that ought to get everybody a shout. I may be glad that you have confidence that if you was to pass tonight because you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you pass from death into life, and that moment that that cold grip of death comes on you or I, we know that it's not that cold because Jesus has already defeated it, and we are going to be absent, we're going to lay this old body down, and we're going to be present with the Lord. That's good stuff. Now, with that being said, I want to talk to the families tonight, and I want to bring a message out of that thought in verse number 9. I want you to notice, wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may, we may be accepted of him. So here's the, here's the message, a family affair. A family affair. You say, Pastor, what should be a family affair? Verse 9, that should be a family affair. That ought not just be mom. That ought not just be dad. That ought not just be one of the children. That might not just be one person in this church. I want you to know something. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, here's what we ought to be striving for, that we be accepted of him. That's a family affair. That's a great motive. Now let's look at the word labor. Wherefore we labor. So we're laboring down here. We're toiling. Everybody here is living life. We're laboring. What does that mean? That means we have ambition. We are striving for something. I, I, I like reading documentaries. You know, I, I've, I've listened and watched some documentaries and read some documentaries of people that were very famous in the music industry. You know why? Because they labored in that industry. They practiced. They strove. They had an ambition to be what? Famous in maybe playing a guitar or being singing music. And so therefore they strove for that. And guess what? They attained it. They attained it. What does it mean when someone says, well, I want that house built there. Well, what are you going to have to do to get it? You're going to have to strive. You're going to have to labor. In other words, you've got to have, you've got to have the ambition. You've got to strive to get it done. So look at verse 9. Wherefore we labor. So we're striving. We have ambition. We're living. Well, what should we be living for? Here it is, very simply, family affair. Here's where the way all of us should be living. We ought to be living to be accepted of him. Now, here's the problem. I'm afraid far too many families today are living and they really don't know why they're living. Sadly, we live in a day where children are just kind of, you know, they're just kind of let loose and say, hey, you know, I see so many young people today, they're just drifting through life. They have no purpose, they have no goals, they have no idea. What am I here for? And when you ask them, they'll go, oh, no. Well, this is a good verse. Hey, listen to me. Young man, young lady, I want you to know there's a God in heaven that made you. And he's given you a purpose on this life. And you ought to be striving in life. You ought to be advancing in life. What? Not to be accepted of the public. Not to be accepted by your peers. You ought to be living the kind of life that is accepted of him. That's a family affair. By the way, every dad here should be striving and leading and helping your family to say, hey, look, we can't get caught up in all this muck and the mire down here in this world. This is all temporary. we got to start looking up into the eternal things. we got to start looking for some things that are going to outlast us. And we think about our children. Look, we got to start training and teaching our children that we got to live for something greater than what this world can give. We've got to start striving and laboring to be accepted of Him. 
Let me just say, I'm, I'm afraid way too many families are living. They don't know why they're living, and they don't have any idea what they're striving for. And by the way, someone said, well, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to strive for all of my life. I'm going to try to make $70,000 a year. I'm going to make $90,000 a year. I'm going to become a millionaire. Well, what are you going to do after that? Some people make a goal in life, and then when they reach that goal, by the way, the goal in life is still always temporary. Everything should be eternal. Why? Because I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to stand and give an account to my mayor. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to go into heaven and give an account to the president. I'm going to give an account to the one who has made me and who has given me the instructions to live. And he says, Mark, you ought to be laboring. You ought to be striving to be accepted of me. That's a pretty good goal in life, isn't it? Because see, it supersedes anything down here. Why? This is all temporary. By the way, everything with him is forever. So we ought to be accepted of him. This is a family affair. So let's talk about it. Number one, it takes in motives. Now, I'm a motive guy. You're a motive person. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't always know motives, but sometimes you can figure them out. And I think we should understand. I think our motives ought to be right. Don't y'all think? I don't think Christians should have ulterior motives. I don't think we ought to come at somebody and we really want this, but we're coming at them this way to get that. That's, that's not being honest. That's like having some ulterior motive. And by the way, I can't, it bothers me when I'm around people like that. How about y'all? I just like real people, don't y'all? But motive, see, if we are uh, trying to be accepted of him, if we're just living our life, no higher motive to live the Christian life than to be accepted of him. And so that takes away all other motives. You say, Brother Mark, why are you doing that? Or Miss Kyla, why are you doing that? Well, I'll tell you, just because somebody told me to. No, there's a greater reason. Why are we doing what we do to be accepted of him? By the way, parents, can I help just a second? Listen, I have a whole life of a lot of things I've learned from our failures, our successes, but pastoring a church and being in ministry for 26 years, I also have the wealth of other people's mistakes and failures. And I want to say something to you. If you want to try to raise your children and you want to be a successful parent, then quit making yourself the goal for them. You're not the goal. Now, your mom and dad, you ought to be leading your family. But let me help you with something. When you're disciplining your children, trying to teach your children, make this the motive. Hey, honey... God made you. He loves you. And ultimately, you're going to stand before him. So what do you think would be pleasing to Jesus here? You should do this for Jesus. You should be faithful to the Lord because he loved you. And he's, he wants to be pleased with your life. Now, I want you to think about that. That might take time. But boy, when children realize, oh, I just don't have to outsmart mom and dad. I don't have to become a sneak. Because by the way, if all you ever do, I'll tell you what, you better not do that because if you do, boy, you're about to answer to me. I understand that. I've said it myself. I've been told that too. But make it better than that. they got to stand before him. And so if all we ever tell them is, let me tell you something now, you better straighten up or you're going to have to face me. Well, all that makes them and help them do to become better con artists. Because then all they know is they got to get past you and then they're scot-free. Listen to me. They need to know that the greatest motive of living life is to be accepted of the one who made them. See, that takes away all other lesser motives. It takes away them all. Is this please the Lord? Is this what the Lord wants me to do? Well, why don't you do that, Pastor? Well, I just can't get peace about it. I don't think it pleases the Lord. And by the way, if you live that way, there's going to be people right here in this community, and they're going to think you're crazy. 
They will. They're not going to understand you. But we're not here to live our lives to be motivated by pleasing people. We're here to please the Lord. But I've learned this. If we'll live that our motives that we do love the Lord and we're trying to please Him and we want to be accepted of Him, I've learned something. Normally we're in pretty good shape with the people that matter. Write it down. Usually when we're living that kind of way and we're trying to be accepted of Him and our motives is for the Lord, I've learned that it's normally okay with everybody else that matters. The reason I say the people that matter is there's sometimes the world's never going to understand your motives if you're living for the Lord. You can't expect a lost person to ever be okay with you living for the Lord because they don't understand it. Motives. What about God's approval? Can I just be completely frank with you? Do you know what a real burden is in the ministry? And I know many of you know this, but it's not only in the ministry, it's really in life. You know, we want to please people. Do you, is there anybody out here, you want somebody mad at you? I mean, I don't think any of us strive to make somebody mad. Do y'all, does anybody strive they love making somebody mad at them? I mean, we like to be at peace with people, don't we? But there's times because of the ministry and because of what we believe and because of what we have to preach, I'm going to be honest with you, there's been times, and I know y'all won't believe this, but there's been times people don't like me. They've not liked what I've said. They've not liked what I've stood for. And here's what they normally say. Well, I just didn't like the way you said it. Well, I get it. And we're always working on being able to say it better. But I've learned this. It's normally not the way we say it. It's normally what we say it bothers people. So, I'm going to be honest with y'all. It's a burden. Now, I said something a long time ago. People today would not be able to take the preaching 60 years ago. You know why? Because of this, this principle right here. I'm going to tell you what's happening. There's a great burden for people that's trying to preach and do the right thing. They're always struggling with people's approval and not wanting to hurt people's feelings and want to be compassionate. And by the way, that's a real thing. But you know what takes away all that? Knowing that we have to live, be accepted to Him. Who are we striving to, to please? We need to be striving to be accepted of him. We ought to be more concerned about God's approval than man's approval. And by the way, look, this is real. This gets right down here where we live. Because like I said, all of us are human. We want to be accepted of people. We want people to like us. We don't want to be the weirdos when we walk in. None of us want that. But you know what? I've learned because of that, many people are doing less for Jesus because they're more worried. Now, y'all mark her down. We're more worried about man's approval than God's approval. You know why we don't hand out tracts like we ought to? Because we're more worried about man's rejection than God's approval. You know why we really, really won't stand out for Jesus when we really need to? I'm going to tell you why. Because we're more worried about man's rejection than God's approval. Let me say this and get it down in the fleshly tablets of your heart. When you fear the Lord, when I fear the Lord like I should, it takes away all other fears. Write it down. When we fear God properly, it takes away all of those lesser fears. 
someone says, man, I'm going to tell you right now, he's bold for Jesus. Well, I'm going to tell you what, he's got a hold of this principle. He realizes he's living and going to give an account to Jesus, not man. It's a family affair. By the way, that's tough to teach your teenage boy. That's tough to teach your teenage girl because there's not a teenage young person in the world that walks in the building that's going to come back to a church five and six times when another teenager won't even talk to him. Why? Because I'm going to tell you what I did. I went in, if I went somewhere, I looked around and I looked and seen if I knew somebody. And it was amazing to me. If there was something that I had to go to as a teenager, I would look around. It's awful funny. Somebody that I might not have been a real good friend with, if I just knew him, I'd go and sit beside him and it made me more comfortable. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? So see, that thing's real. Teenagers don't want to be. They want, they want to be a pleasing. So I'm not going to say to you that that's easy, but I'm going to tell you right now, through consistent teaching them that their motives, they should be, look, honey, you're not going to stand and give an account to that friend. You know something else that I learned? How many of y'all know y'all know this, but in high school, man, we had friends. You know how many of them friends that I've seen since I've graduated? And do you know how many times we've made decisions based on a friend's decision or someone in our friend and they've had such approval in our lives and 20 years later we never see them again? I'm going to tell you all right now, we're going to stand and give an account to him. So motives matter. I have to refocus my approval rating. I do. I got Because I'm going to be honest, I have fears just like everybody else. Pastoring in this year of 2024, I'm going to tell you, it is different than 1960. I'm telling you right now, you got to be careful what you say, how you say it. There's certain words you got to be careful about because you just know you've been bit so many times that someone's got offended. And by the way, I think we should always be growing in our speech. But the truth is, man, that thing weighs in on you. We've got to preach and live and talk and share that would be acceptable of him. And we got to refocus that thing. Because if you're not careful, if you don't get some things in refocus tonight, how about every man go home tonight and say, look, what are we doing? What are we doing in our home and why are we doing it? Why is our children doing that? And I guarantee if you'll refocus and look at that, I guarantee there's some type of a motive there that you're doing that you want to be accepted of people. Listen to me. We ought to be living to be accepted of him. That's, that takes care of every other thing. Now, I'd say to you tonight, if you're going to stand before your friends up in heaven and they're going to be the one to judge you, then I say you better start living for them. But they're not. It's going to be Jesus. So if it's going to be Jesus and that's who's going, your son and that's who your daughter and that's who your husband and your wife, listen, if that's who we're going to stand and give an account to, then we better get to living to be accepted of him. Amen? Let's just say it. See, our motives, our motives should be what? To be accepted of him. That, 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 huh. I use the word trump. That trumps all other motives. Except it of him. Our motives. Number two, our manner. Our manner of life. Our life should be accepted of him. The way we conduct ourselves. You say, Pastor, why do you do certain things? Well, why do I not do certain things? Well, is that what you're supposed to do as a Christian? Well, more than that. What's pleasing to him? Some people have this idea about Christianity. It's, oh, it's a bunch of rules and regulations. I've never looked at the Christian life like that. I've never looked at it. Well, it's a bunch of rules. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, go down to that church. I mean, that's what I heard down, that's what I heard here in Chattanooga for like the first year. I'll tell you right now, Tiftonia, that's that church with all them rules. And I want to look at them and say, well, what, we got a barber shop in the front? 
I heard all this stuff about our church, and I'm like, I ain't like that. Who told you that? Why are you saying that? And here's what's funny. They never was here. They never came. But I can tell you right now, that ain't the way we are. But I'm going to tell you right now, the Christian life's not a bunch of rules. I don't conduct myself because I have to. No, I want you to know, we ought to live higher than that. We ought to conduct ourselves. Why? That's the way he wants us to live. Now, I fail, but you know, I've lived with this woman. I've been with this woman 30 years. 30 years. And by the way, I know her. I know what she likes. I know what she don't like. I know what she prefers. I know... I was, wasn't you proud of me today when that lady asked me your birthday? And bam, I just nailed it. I didn't have to ask you. I don't even know the age of my own children. But I know her. Now, I'm a man, and I know I'm just like every other man. I've learned this. I don't know how you women put up with us, to be quite honest. It's the way God made us, but God help you, and I pray for you all the time because I know what my wife's going to put up with me. But I'm going to just say this. I know her, and I'm going to say this. I know what she likes and what she don't like. Now, I'm going to tell you this. That doesn't mean that I've always done what she likes, and I've not always done what's pleased her, but I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm wise and if I want to live the right kind of life to be in the right kind of relationship with her, you know what? I'll do it because I love her, and I want to be accepted and pleased of her. How many of y'all understand that? Same with the Christian life. See, that takes away all these rules. Well, I'll tell you right now, my wife just don't let me go out and do that with other women. Well, I hope not. Well, that's a bunch of rules. You can't believe my wife, she's married to me, and she won't let me go out. Really? Well, that's not a rule. That's because you love one another. And you want to be pleasing to her. And so listen to me. Christianity is the same. We have a relationship with Him. I wish people would get away from this religion stuff. How about your do's and don'ts? No. We ought to live that's what's pleasing to Him. That's the motive. And that ought to be a family affair. I love to talk to a young person and say, Hey, buddy, why do you do it? Well, I'll tell you. Because uh, here's what you eat. Well, it's just what my mom and dad make me do. You know what? I love it when someone says, Well, it's what Jesus wants me to do. There's a world of difference between, Well, that's because we do it because that's what the Lord tells us to do. Amen. Our, our manner of life, families that uh, are Christians should conduct themselves that we or accepted of him. There's some practical things. For instance, you say, Pastor Mark, why do you think you ought to be faithful to the Lord? Well, are you faithful to your spouse? Why? You want to be accepted of her or accepted of him? And so you're faithful. That's not something that we should do or something we have to do. That's something we should want to do because we want to be pleasing to him. He's asked us to be faithful. So the motive is to be faithful, not because we have to, because we want to. The manner of life is affected because we want to be accepted of Him. And listen, someone told me the other day, and it's, I get it. Someone says, well, I'll tell you why I don't like church very well. They said, because all they want is your money. And I looked at this person straight in the eye, and I said, well, I'm going to tell you right now, buddy, I don't want your money. And I said, if you hang around here a while, you're going to figure that out real quick. I don't want your money. And by the way, when you give to this offering, you ain't giving to me anyway. 
you understand we're supporting over 129 missionaries and that takes thousands of dollars. We have, I mean, there's thousands of dollars that goes out of this ministry this year and I'm going to be honest, the majority of it doesn't go to me and that's the way it ought to be. But I say, I mention all that to say this. Well, I'll tell you right now, I just got to go to church and give. Well, why? Well, it's just because I have to. No. How about because we want to? To be accepted of Him. By the way, the Lord says, hey, you ought to tithe. What's that mean? That's 10% of 100. That means you're living on 90 and He takes 10. That's a pretty good deal. Anybody in business going to make it like that? I don't know of any business partners going to say, hey, buddy, you take 90 and I'll take 10. No, it's usually 50, 50, 40, 60, 20, 80. I've never heard a good business partner say, hey, I'll just take the little old 10. You live on the 90. You get the 90. But look, that's how good God is. But that's not a grudgery. The Bible says we ought to be a cheerful giver. Why? To be accepted of him. Hey, what about uh, tenderhearted? Why should we be tenderhearted? Why should we be compassionate? Why should we be giving? Why should we be kind? Why should we conduct ourselves and being a forgiving person? Why? To be accepted of him. Not because we have to. It's not like God's up there, you know, counting down and, and you know, p- putting down all the marks. Like, oh, he didn't do this, do that. No. He says, look, he said, you ought to love me. You ought to be living and conducting yourself to be what? Accepted of him. That's a family affair. Boy, don't you love it when you see a whole family man and they realize that they're serving the Lord for the Lord and nothing else. And then lastly, I got to close. I got to hurry. We see our motives. We see our manner of life. But what about our meeting? Look at verse 10 now. This is sobering right here now. Y'all ready for this one? This is going to get you. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Hey, look look at here now. Payday someday. It's coming. Now, I know I've shared this with you. How many of y'all like going to the dentist? Anybody like going to the dentist? How many of y'all like having them uh, teeth drilled out so you put a filling in there? Don't y'all love the sound of that drill and everything and the taste in your mouth and the smoke coming rolling off them tooth? I mean, y'all love it. Man, I just love it. Don't y'all love it? I love it for them to keep, you know, say keep holding your mouth and they stick that suction tube in there, you know. <laughs> y'all, I, y'all can tell I love it. Well, I loved it so much when I was a boy, I would say to my mom, I'd say, Mom, I don't want to go to the dentist. Or, Mom, I don't want to go to school. Or I don't, and there would be a few times in my life, my mother, you know what she would do? She'd say, all right now. She called in there. She said, now, what was her name in her Dr. Miller's office? The secretary, what was her name? Can't remember. Mom's getting nervous. Hey, and she'd say, what was her name? Come on now, help me, Mom. I know you know that lady's name. Can you remember? I got to say it just like Mom did it. Can you remember, Laura? It was Dr. Miller's office. Anyway, she'd say, I'm just going, Connie, this is Dolores Brandon. She said, I I need to call down there. She said, Mark's got an appointment. And she said, you know, we're just not going to be able to come that day. So we need to reschedule. Now, we can have, and by the way, I think, I love my mom. I'm glad she did it. But let me say, I know there's other mamas like that too. Is there any other mamas like that in here? Appreciate it. Everybody else, every other mother's lying in here. But here's the thing. Boy, we like to, 
We like to do things for our children, don't we? If there's something that may be going on in their life, what do we try to do? We try to do that for them. We try to stand in for them. Listen to me. We like to change the date or change the appointment. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is one appointment that will not be changed. Everybody will stand and give an account to God Almighty for our life. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that right there is the greatest motive to start changing the way we live here. How many of y'all with me? We're going to give an account. It is a sure meeting. There is no changing the appointment. We will all give an account to the one who loved us. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? I want you all to think about that right now as we close. Today, you stand before your Creator. With all the light that we've been given, all the light, this is light. He's given us light. He's, he's told us, here's what I want you to do while you're here on this earth. And the Bible says in verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now listen to me, that's not whether or not you're going to be cast into hell or not. That's the great white throne judgment. There's two judgments. This one is believers, Christians that have lived their life. Motives will be told. The manner of life, the things of what we do and why we do them, those are all going to be judged. This is not the judgment of where, and I believe this is why we're going to be why he's going to be wiping tears, because we're going to be as Christians going to be judged by what we did here on this earth. This is not the great white. The great white throne judge was another time. By the way, that's when everyone stands before the Lord and the Lord opens up the Lamb's book of life and says, "You're depart from me, I've never known you. That means that the great white throne, that's when everyone that's lost is cast into hell with devil. And by the way, someone says, well, if there was a loving God, he wouldn't put me in hell. He don't put nobody in hell. We choose that. You say, Pastor, how do we choose it? We simply choose it by rejecting Jesus Christ as our Savior. He's it, man. He's the way. He's the door. He's the light. If any man cometh unto the Father but by him, it's through him. So listen to me. If you're here tonight and you don't know him, you're not in the door. But let me tell you, the door's open. Jesus Christ says, come unto me. And he says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise. Didn't say might, not, didn't say maybe. It said you shall be saved. The Bible also says in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, which means everybody, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Have that everlasting life. And that everlasting life, listen to me. You say, how long does that live? Forever. I don't know about y'all, but because he loved me so much and he died for me, he paid for my sin debt, and we're going to stand before him. We ought to try to live down here to be accepted of him. Wouldn't y'all think? I mean, is that not the crutch of the Christian life? Quit trying to scare people to death. I hear people motivate people all the time. Well, I'll tell you right now, if you don't do that, here's what's going to happen. Greater than that. Greater, a greater motive than that. No, let me tell you, you're going to stand and give an account for that. That's more than, well, I'll tell you what, you better not do that because so-and-so's going to find out. And by the way, we don't want to do that because we don't want to break so-and-so's heart, but there's a greater motive than that. We don't want to do that because we don't want to break our Savior's heart. Let's live above the line. 
Let's live above the line. Look, and none of us are perfect. We've all made mistakes. Let's get them right. That's another thing about our great heavenly father. He said, if anyone will confess their sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know about y'all. I'm glad. Boy, we got a good God. Boy, I, I wish I could preach another 30 minutes. I could do it. Oh, I could. I seen all that just now. Oh, please, no. But aren't y'all glad y'all saved tonight? Aren't y'all glad the Christian life should not just be a life of duty? It should be a life of love. I, I preached so long, I didn't even get to the part I wanted to get to. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The Bible says, though I can, man, I have a voice like a thunder. Like I, if I have the voice of angels, and man, I can talk and have the eloquence of speech. Here's what the Bible says. And though I give my body to be burned, he said, without love, it's nothing. You know why we ought to live? Love. <laughs> I got to say it. And I know Miss Kelsey will hear it, but there's a dear precious lady. She's in heaven now. And every time I'd call her, if I didn't get her at home, it was an old song. And here it was, living on love. Now, I know some of y'all, I can't believe the preach. Well, just hold tight. That should be a true statement. We ought to be living on love for Jesus. And guess what? If we're living on love for him, I found this out. We'll love everybody else like we're supposed to. Hus wives, can I help you with something? If your husband will fall in love with Jesus, I would tell you what, he'll love you like you never thought he could love you. I'm telling you. You ought to encourage your husband to love Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if he loves Jesus, listen to me, as romantic as I can say, he'll love you. How many of you ladies want loved? Then help him get to Jesus. Encourage him. And then you also live your life to please him. It should be a family affair. How many of y'all agree with me? If you agree with me that it should be a family affair, would you stand to your feet? This is your chance. I can see if, and I'm sure Robert's watching. If Robert was, if he was in here today, he'd sit still because he'd say, keep on preaching, and it'd just be me and him sitting here. But as I close tonight, I want you to think about it now. That's sobering, isn't it? We're going to stand and give an account our life to the Lord. Are we ready? Whether we be a Christian, we're going to stand and give an account for our life. But listen, if we're lost, we don't know Jesus. At the great white throne judgment, he's going to pull out that Lamb's book of life. If our name's not written there in red, I'm going to tell you what he's going to say. He's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. That's why we believe that someone can't get saved and lost. Because here's what the Bible says. He said, depart from me, I never knew you. So salvation is a one-time ordeal. And I want you to know something. If you're not saved tonight, I beg with you and plead with you tonight. I wouldn't leave the building. I'd come up here right after this service, talk to me, and I'll, have, I'll do it or I'll have someone else take the Bible and show you right from God's word how to be saved, and there is nothing like it. Can I get a witness? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, you know my motive. I try to teach. Lord, I don't want to get excited, loud, and rambunctious. But Lord, I can't help it.
as I preach and as I read your word, and as I think of you and what you've done and the principles that you've taught me and even the principles that I have not kept. Lord, I get so passionate about your truth. So I pray, Lord, that you'll help not one person in this building tonight think that this came out of anger. I pray you'll help me to present this month and these words as though it would be accepted of you. And Lord, I do pray that you'll work in our hearts. We need your help. We're in desperate days. So I ask that you'll take your word and apply it to our lives. Lord, if there's someone here and they do not know you as their Savior, I pray that you'll speak to them tonight and they'll, make, they'll get it settled before they leave. Well, thank you for what you do. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name and all God's people said. God bless you. Have a great night. Thanks for being here tonight. Great Wednesday crowd. Keep coming back. We'll see you, Lord willing, Sunday.